Hey, Her Sports Story community. I am so happy to be releasing this bonus episode with one of my dearest friends, Megan Riggs. In this conversation, we talk a bit about her sports story just in her transition out. We talk a lot about her career uh, path and how it had unanticipated stops along the way. We talk about what really comes through when you go through a tough experience and how community and mentorship and loved ones are so important during those times. We have been friends for almost six years now. And you'll hear me laugh a ton through this podcast because that's, that's just our nature of our relationship. But she is a phenomenal human being with such a capacity to serve and to be there for others, yet totally realizes that she has to manage herself first. And I think this is the the conversation that maybe a lot of us need right now as we are experiencing this really challenging time in our world. But she is just the best. She has the greatest anecdotes and she is sure to lift your spirit your spirits <laughs> in the best of ways. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with myself and Megan Riggs. Megan, I feel like this podcast is way overdue. (laughs) Her sports story community, uh, Megan and I, she's one of my dearest friends. And gosh, I think, I think our friendship probably started around like the, the 2013, 14 realm. Um, But the the brief story of it is is that we got connected through college athletics in a sense and we both had a mentor that connected us and then Megan came to work at Sacramento State in the athletics department where I worked and little did we know it would blossom into this incredible friendship over the past six years or so um, but she has an incredible story There is so much to her journey, and I'm really excited for her to dive into it. So, Megan, thank you for being here. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me. And, yes, I love that we both giggle as we talk about doing this podcast. (laughs) Um, But I think what you are doing is so very important, and I think given your platform and your mission – our friendship and how we were even connected is the perfect example of that, especially as we look at, I mean, my oldest friend, you grew up doing gymnastics with, and that's how the universe works. And Mm -hmm. it's amazing and beautiful. And we're all connected in some way. And sometimes you just have to ask the question (laughs) to start the conversation. Um, But yes, I'm, I'm so excited to finally do this with you via quarantine Skype. Um, (laughs) And this is a, a highlight of quarantine for sure. <laughs> uh, so thank 
you so much for, for having me. And I love our friendship too. It's, it's the best thing. And your whole family is a blessing and full of wonderful people. So better for having you all around. Oh, thank you so much. Yes. You know, we, we both have college athletics in our past, both of course being former collegiate athletes. And we were actually around the same time, like same era. And I think we, you know, maybe missed each other by a year, but it's just really crazy. Kind of like you said, how the universe works Mm -hmm. and that we have had probably crossed paths at some point. We knew so many people uh, that probably were connected to us that we didn't know each other. So it's, it's really been a special journey and I'm really excited for the Her Sports Story community to kind of get a glimpse into your journey, especially as you kind of wrapped up rowing um, at Sacramento State and then embarked on this, just what I feel like has so many chapters to it. <laughs> the best way to put it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but so many things that, that you gathered along the way and the insights that you have all derived from your experiences and navigating that journey yourself. So go ahead and kind of speak to where that all kind of started. All right. We can, we can take a deep dive for sure. And I think it's important to note that while I do now have these insights that I can certainly vocalize and share, it's, it's because of the people that I've surrounded myself with, you included, and that's a mix of listening and tough love and self-reflection that's gotten me to the point of being able to be where I am now. And it's still a work in progress, that's for sure. Uh, But the good news is I can look back and see what each chapter has taught me, which is exciting because sometimes when you're in it, you're like, what the hell is going on and why? Right. (laughs) Um, But now at the ripe age of 32 and three quarters, uh, I have a little more clarity on things, which is exciting. But to your point, uh, we had the commonality and a foundation of being hornets together. And I was a rower in college with my degree in kinesiology, which surprises a lot of people because if you look at the flow chart required to follow my career, there is nothing kinesiology based in it. So (laughs) that is fun. Uh, However, I will say I value my education. I think education is one thing that no one can take away from you once received. And if you look at it through the right perspective with kind of a critical eye, I guess, you can really draw many skills from whatever you're doing and apply them elsewhere, which is important um, because there are some skills that traverse all fields, whether those be, you know, your own personal skills, organization, what have you. Um, You can always pull from something, which is exciting. But yes, I left. um, I graduated college on a Saturday afternoon and I packed up my Honda Accord and with my life and drove mm-hmm. to Kansas City four days later, which turns out is one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me, case in point, our friendship, because that's how my path into athletics began and why we were connected. And 
uh, I moved out to Kansas City. I'd never been there before. I was in a hurry to go to California, and I began working for a nonprofit organization there at the time that was called NACWA. That was brought to my attention by my boss, who whom we both had as a boss at one point for internships, and they focused on advocacy and advancement for women's sport. So I packed up, I thought I had made it. I was making a salary that now I was like, dear God, how did I survive? <laughs> but I was so thrilled to have a job and to be connected and to be in a new place and, and to grow and learn and experiencing something new after being in California my whole life, which some people really laughed the fact that like, you left California to go to the Midwest. And I was like, you guys, Midwest is best. I sure did. <laughs> and I would go back. Um, so I was in Kansas City for two years working in this um, kind of subset of athletics, which was fascinating. And I had the privilege of being connected with people that quite frankly, I look up at this point and I, I knew at the time I had no business ever knowing, but it, it was such a blessing that I had the opportunity to both male and female watch these leaders and from afar and closely and both interact with them. And it's, it's really neat to look back now and think that I was 23 years old, green as can be, and working alongside some of the most powerful people in athletics and some, some of which are still in athletics and creating great change and movement. Um, and that was unbelievable. I was humbled daily <laughs> and granted there were days I was getting mail and coffee and we even cleaned the windows of the loft one day, but that's all part of it. And that's part right. of the fun because the day I was, I was an intern. Um, and that was, probably one of the most phenomenal first work experiences that I could have ever asked for. And there were certainly humbling moments along the way as well. Um, so we got two years in Kansas City and I was so sad to leave. But from there, I, as we create our flow chart, mm -hmm. took a job in the fashion world and I moved to a bougie resort town in Colorado, <laughs> which I also laugh at now. Um, and I spent, I, I knew immediately upon arrival, it probably wasn't going to be for me because again, I was like, let's go here. This seems like a super idea. And I got there and it was not a super idea, but I made a commitment and I had to see it through. Um, so I was in this lovely town in Colorado for year and a half, which we have since dubbed the year of frozen tears, which is very exciting <laughs> and fun to look back on now. It will be, as we've discussed, a great chapter in the bestseller one day. Yep. Um, and that was an interesting chapter for sure, because I think personal and work life hit lows that were never anticipated. And then I I didn't quite have the capacity to deal with for numerous reasons, um, mostly because I was a lost little, at that point, 25-year-old soul <laughs> that didn't know a cat from a dog. I think of us are lost souls at 25. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, absolutely. Um, so yes, long story short, a little over a year in, in Colorado and um, much, much to everyone's surprise, I legitimately came crying back to California and I came back without really a plan or a job. <laughs> um, 
but luckily I have the most incredible tribe of people that I get to call my family. And I was welcomed back with open arms and a roof over my head. And thanks to the connections that were maintained, I got a job shortly thereafter um, back in college athletics, in which I was there for, oh my gosh, three years, which is where our friendship really blossomed, which is the highlight of all of it. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I, you know, also having a job moving back with that one was pretty great too, but, um, you know, they, people say all the time, it's, it's maybe not what you're doing, but who you're doing it with. And I, I think that that chapter was the prime example of that hands down. Um, and I had a very good second run in athletics and I, learned a lot about myself and what I value in a work environment and leadership and accountability of all parties. And um, I hit a point where I knew it was time for a change. And again, because of a relationship that I had previously, um, what turned into someone stopping by to say hello one day that led to me having a total meltdown at my desk. trend sometimes led to an opportunity that literally fell into my lap um, by the grace of all things holy with where I am now. And now I am in the grocery industry. I work for a local family-owned grocer on the corporate philanthropy side of things. Um, And I took the job after making a clear list of what I knew I wanted in a role and what I didn't want in a role. And this had really checked a lot of the boxes. Um, And I am pushing, oh my goodness, it'll be four years in August, which is bonkers. Yeah. Um, And it's just been, it's been a really wild ride across, across the board. I mean, when I left in 2010, I had no intention whatsoever of ever coming back to California, mm-hmm. but I, I, I truly feel one of the, the biggest lessons I've learned along the way is that at some point you have to reflect on what you're experiencing versus what you're missing mm-hmm. and where do those fall? So and I had family here. I have the people I consider my family here and the the perception of where I was living and this supposed glamorous life that was happening in this celebrity riddled town of wealth and Peter Pan's was really me working two jobs, almost 20 hours a day just to make ends meet to live there because it was so expensive and I was miserable and not around like-minded people. And So when you take those two and you smush them together, it turns into you crying in Makuni in Roseville with two of your moms (laughs) telling you, you don't have to go back. Right. (laughs) And here we are. So when I look at the the life lessons of which I'm so grateful to have learned in my 20s, quite frankly, because I think that there are some folks that, that don't maybe ever figure them out or it's they're in their forties or their fifties. And then there's all these other factors that prohibit change at some point or or just make it far more challenging. And, and that is the perception versus the reality. And also 
what is your experience and how is that shaping your person and your well-being? So that's my my flow chart of work and places I've lived. And <laughs> I've officially lived in California longer than any place I've lived as of <laughs> graduating college. So that too has shocked many people, but I knew wherever my next move was going to be, was going to be somewhere that I was going to put roots down. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I look at where I am now, believe you me, <laughs> never saw this coming. <laughs> I mean, I think those, that, that just speaks to the way that the universe kind of guides you. Mm-hmm. And in the moment, you think it's like the absolute right thing to do. And that's why you make the decisions that you do. And I remember, you know, meeting you for the first time and you had this, you know, position at NACWA. And I still remember the gold Kate Spade bag that you had. <laughs> I and, still own it. <laughs> yes. And it's fabulous. But you had a conversation with me, you know, just about what you did. And, and I was so impressed and like thankful. I'm like, oh, I, I feel like I have like a big sister in this kind of like realm now. Uh, but I will say that, you know, although we attest a lot of things to the universe guiding us, there are certain things that you pick up along the way. And I would say one of those that you do better than probably I've ever seen anyone do is connecting with people, truly building genuine relationships and following up with them and making an impact and doing the little things that make you just stand out from, you know, maybe others and not in a, um, not to say that others don't, but you just, you go above and beyond for the people that you care about. And I think that has attributed hugely to where you are today. Well, thank you very much. And I, I appreciate that. And I, I joke often knowing that every job I've ever had has been via a warm introduction. Um, but I also know behind that is hard work and that people feel comfortable putting their ball in my court and their name on me because that's a lot of pressure when someone recommends you for a position or whatever that might look like. Or, you know, if you're going to recommend someone for a position, you have to be really, really confident that there's not going to be any tarnish of reputation on either side there Mm -hmm. because there's many relationships at play. Um, But I, I really joke that I think I've gotten to almost 33 off of um, some hard work, dumb luck in Jesus. And I'm fine with that. And it's working and I'm here for it. But I, I do believe in connection. I think I believe so strongly in connection because it's been, I have been surrounded by a surrogate family my entire life. And it's connection that's gotten me to where I am. And I, I do feel that I have it, not an obligation by any means, but I have the opportunity to connect people and to make a difference. And it's the right thing to do that because someone did that for me Mm -hmm. and it truly catapulted my career. Um, And I kind of joke that I, you know, I don't know if I'm truly passionate about 
one specific thing. You know, like when I wake up in the morning, it's, I don't wake up and I'm like, oh, you know what? Corporate development really gets me going. I'm here for it. Let's rise and shine. Let's go do it. I think what brings me fulfillment in any role that I've been in and I am in currently is providing opportunity to anyone. You know, if, if I can make a warm introduction, I'm absolutely going to do it. It's the right thing to do. Good people need to know each other. End of story. That's yes. how great right. happens. And so I, I value that. And there's also things that I think are lost arts that I truly value. A handwritten note, whether mm-hmm. it be just dropping in to say hello or a thank you note or whatever it might be. I think that there are little touch points that are just so important that that surprise of just getting, oh my gosh, someone was thinking about me. It's mm-hmm. so great. And that's something I learned in my internship. We were sitting in a board meeting and one of our board members at the time was the associate commissioner for one of the, I would argue, largest conferences in the country. Mm-hmm. And she said, she's very Southern and lovely and someone I adore to this day, 10 years later, that every week she writes someone a note. She will go through her contacts, look at emails, whomever it might be, and she just drops them a little note. And it's such a beautiful way to stay connected and stay relevant as well, which is is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, it's just, it's always something I've kind of loved doing. And you know, I just love a good note card as well. (laughs) You know how much I love a nice stationery. Yep. uh Big, big so it just fits and I don't know which came first I really don't and that's fine um, but I do I think connecting people is really really important um, human connection is natural and I, I think we're all meant for it and we're made for it it makes us feel whole I think about how happy I felt you know FaceTiming with you and Dal the other night after not oh my god our schedules are just I've never got this long without seeing you but I finally know. seeing your faces was so happy and wonderful and you know, my poor boyfriend was almost offended. Like, uh, where's that joy? <laughs> and these are like my best friends. We're <laughs> very busy right now <laughs> talking about a lot of things. Um, but I think it's something that's needed and feels happiness and development. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, in, in working with a specific age population as we have in our careers, when people say that, technology inhibits and and everything else. I think that's real. Conversation has become so lost, um, which I'm hoping is a a gift of quarantine, is that people figure out how to connect again um, with words that are spoken or written, not just a a text message. Um, And we got to do our part to keep that alive. Like thinking about a generation that may never actually write a birthday card or a thank you note or a you know, whatever it might be, it puts this like feeling in my soul that is painful, you know, like, or they may never turn the page of a book, right? Do I love my Kindle app? I do. Mm -hmm. But there's something about like the crunch of a library book or going and opening up a book for the first time and, you know, dog-earing pages or circling something that just speaks to you. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, a form of being connected. And I, there's, I feel a responsibility <laughs> to keep that going. Keep going. Yeah. Um, 
I've always told Aaron uh, that our child will learn cursive and I will teach them cursive because that is not taught in Mm -hmm. schools from what I've heard uh, today. So uh, these like art forms almost Mm -hmm. and you know it it kind of ties in so nicely like writing a thank you note isn't is going to be seen as an art form, <laughs> you know, in, in some write it in cursive, you're gonna blow minds, right? Um, <laughs> which is just the wildest to think about, mm-hmm. but I think it more so comes down to this like exchange of energy, right? So, mm-hmm. when you're receiving that thank you note, you you your mood is automatically lifted and you know that the person behind that card or that phone call or connection has harnessed their energy in a positive way to you. And I think that again, like with what you do as far as connecting people, there's always an energy felt behind it. And so I really think that's one of your gifts whether you know you necessarily realize it or not and it's been a part of your journey and just something that you've picked up along the way and maybe knew it was important and it it felt like the right thing to do according to you but probably wasn't seen as anything like that this this is my gift you know to to be this Mm -hmm. magical connector but it was a part of your journey and you've, whether you see it, other people definitely see it and value it. Oh, well, thank you. And I think so much of it comes from, I, I feel so much has been done for me, uh, by people. I am, I am so fortunate and my family unit now looks, I, I could have never imagined it looking like this. And I, I'm so grateful for it. I've said grateful 85 times already, but it's true. I, I really try to operate in a, in a place of gratitude and given what's occurred, even my goodness, in the last year mm-hmm. and a half, two years, um, this could all look much different. But I have forever been loved and lifted by people who chose to do so. And when things like that occur, you, you wonder, how do you ever repay that? And those people will tell you, you know, you are family. You don't repay family. That's not what you do, but you feel indebted. And there's no way to properly say, thank you for putting a roof over my head for a year. Um, thank you for being my mom when you have your own children. Um, I'm an honorary member of many families and it is by far the greatest gift of my entire life. And I don't know what I would do without those people. There are, there are four women who have been steadfast by my side for, since the very beginning. And it is those women who have completely shaped me. And those are the ones that it's the Megan pull your head out of the clouds, look at things, whatever it might be. It's that tough love. It's the love. It's the making, asking for help feel okay, because that's truly one of the hardest things to do is to ask for help when you are um, fiercely independent and uh, you 
hold many things close and tight for the the purpose of perception, if Mm -hmm. you will. Um, And so I think because of the 33 years, I know it will be forever of of what's been given to me. I do feel that I I owe it to, Mm -hmm. to someone else to show that love and gratitude. And you know, again, because there is no way to properly say thank you for putting a roof over my head or, um, you know, calling me yours, the best thing you can do is to pay that forward to someone else. And I firmly, firmly believe that. And, and I, to my core, know that that is the root of this as well. And honestly, I don't think I'd be doing right by any of them if I just floated through life thinking that this is just what happens <laughs> and this, that, and the other, because it's not. <laughs> and I, I'm very, very fortunate. And I know that I, I'm where I am today because of those people that, that chose to love myself and my sister mm-hmm. in that way. So that's where it's rooted. And I'm, I'm grateful that it's seen as a gift and, and as a, a happy energy because it's, mm-hmm. it's what I love to do. Yeah. Well, you know, you've, you obviously learned so much through your journey. And I think, you know, from knowing you, I've had the, the honor and the pleasure of knowing you and kind of getting to know those life lessons that you've shared with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, in, in reflecting back on your journey, what are maybe a few things that you look back and you, you kind of either one realize they happen for a reason, but two wish you would have approached them differently in a way that was better for your well-being, better for taking care of Megan in your mm-hmm. mental health. And um, so that you could sh- fully show up as yourself, because I think that, when we're not in an environment that supports us, we can't fully be ourselves and authentic or show up in that like greatest light. So talk a little bit about some of those, you know, maybe trying times that you encountered and maybe what you would have done differently. Oh my gosh. Well, what's important to note is that the space I'm operating in now is that of a lot of hard work and and it's still a work in progress and i have made a lot a lot a lot of mistakes along the way um but the mistakes don't have to be bad mistakes are bad if you don't learn from them and you continue to do them again i am fortunately able to now understand and recognize and own when I make a mistake or, you know, have a poor lapse in judgment or whatever it might be. But I, I operate in a way where when things go awry, my immediate response is to take care of whomever it is that's not in the okay place. Mm -hmm. And that is one thing. So there's that component of it. And when, when that occurs, everything else gets pushed to the side and our family experienced a 
devastating loss last summer. And it was a long journey that led up to that. And, you know, I was, I was, you were with me the weekend that it happened. And, um, my reaction is to take care. And that's what, that's what I did and continued to do. And, and I would do it all over again in a heartbeat. Absolutely. And, and, um, my, when I look back on that in, in knowing that I would do it again, no questions asked, um, I wish that I would have taken time for myself before I went back to work. Mm-hmm. So there was a, I think I was out of work for a week and then I thought that going back was going to create this normalcy and it was kind of, you know, I had a, a different schedule because we were taking care of some things in the mornings before I would go in and um, there reaches the point when you're just crying at your desk when you realize that maybe this isn't where you should be and I love my coworkers. I am I am so fortunate that my coworkers are are truly family to me, and they supported me and they were there. And um, but while that was comforting to be around, I look back now and I think that what I actually needed was quiet and just time. Whether it was to sleep for three days or stare at a wall or watch all season, <laughs> one of the best worst seasons of Vanderpump Rules season two, mm-hmm. you know, and just like take a time. Yeah. Sometimes your brain needs a little bubble gum and you have to just sit and be. It's like in Sex and the Sea, the movie, big, mm-hmm. ugh, leaves Carrie, awful. Right. Yeah. She knew her gut told her, you always have to trust your gut. They go to Mexico and she sleeps for three days. Mm-hmm. And then she worries if she's ever going to laugh again. And all these things occur. But she took time for herself. And then she surrounded herself by people that she loves. And <clears throat> that's so key. Those three days that she spent sleeping. And then she finally came out and asked for coffee. <laughs> that was the kickoff of her. But she, there's this recognizing that she needed the shutters closed. And she needed to be alone. And she didn't want to eat or whatever it was. And she did that. And and I think that's the biggest thing is, is figuring out where does your own time for yourself fall. Um, and I see that now in my job. We were actually just talking about that. I'm, I'm considered an essential worker. And that is a level of, I am feeling a level of social responsibility that I never expected. And in the scope of my work and what we're doing, um, there are many moving pieces to things and we are trying to serve populations that need to be homebound and that might already have trouble procuring food and and things along those lines, or if we're, you know, working in the stores or what have you. And my boyfriend, while I was legitimately melting down over sushi that we ordered the other night, he was like, Meg, at what expense is this coming that you are giving and giving and working and working and working? And I, in hearing that, realized that it's, it's my own responsibility to manage myself and my emotions. But also I cannot spend all day managing the energies around me, which are currently full of fear and anxiety and stress and I think uh, very misdirected anger 
Mm-hmm. Well, there is gratitude in the mix as well, but you spend all day managing that and I can't come home empty. Right. Because what's, what's at home is so much more important, honestly, than anything else, because that's, it's my well being. It's, it's my person, it's my family. Um, and so there's a lot of self-awareness <laughs> involved in managing that. So I think, you know, I think that's a big one. And when I think about the family dynamic and the, in the, the deck that I've been dealt, um, I look back and I, I wish I would have cut a lot of ties much earlier. I think mm-hmm. it would have saved a lot of pain and anguish and uh, my word, years of therapy. I will help someone retire very comfortably many times <laughs> over. But I look at that and, and I wish I had the self-confidence and the self-worth to understand that I am not those things. I am not this situation. I will be okay if this is, you know, done and gone. So those are big ones. Like it's, it's so much self-management is, is what those are all based in, uh, which is the, when you're only responsible for your own actions, that's the hardest thing to own because it's all you there. There's no saying, well, he or she, no, I'm the one that chose to let someone's words or actions completely degrade me or I'm the one that chose to fly off the handles or I'm the one that chose to come home and not speak after a long day. That's all me. I own that. (laughs) No one else made me do that. So it's that owning of my actions and, and the recognizing that it's okay to say that I need time and that doesn't make me weak. It doesn't make me a bad person or an act or anything. It makes me someone who recognizes that they need a hot second to pull themselves together to then be able to be present in their best self, which I think is when I look back the bulk of what was lacking. I was never my best self because I think I was so constantly bombarded with a fire hose of emotions and energies and relationships and unresolved issues that I didn't have. I didn't know where to start legitimately. (laughs) You can only eat the elephant one bite at a time, but if you have no idea where to take a dive, (laughs) you just stand there around it. (laughs) Kind of, yeah. Kind of like the dog figuring out like where they're going to lay down, you know? Yeah. Right. (laughs) I like, I just kept going and I kept crying and things just kept getting worse. And I finally like, (laughs) you have to throw up the white flag and you have to surrender and you have to take that step back and realize that you have to do something to get your shit in order because it's only going to continue to get worse. And I, I don't, you know, I, I think the, universe put things in front of me that were so big and devastating and potentially life-changing, which honestly I think is what I needed. Um, I know it's what I needed that I finally took a hard stop Mm -hmm. and that's a a big thing. And then you start to realize, oh dear, this is level one of about 85 things we're going to have to work through. But no, but yeah, it's so yeah. much self-management and, right. and yeah. 
you know, I having, I mean, I told you this this morning, I have an amazing partner and boyfriend and I love him so much and his family is incredible. And, you know, when you met him and early on and, Mm -hmm. and all my other nearest and dearest, they'd all said he, he like reads you and he, he has such a close eye. He's very aware. And this morning it was the perfect case. I was running around like a mad woman and had been instructed to have <laughs> pants on by 810 because he had a call at 815. And he knows how I operate. This is the quarantine you know, life. Quarantine life, yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, running around trying to get out because I have to be to the, the food bank to like do some stuff for work and and other things and oh my god where my keys where's my lunch I just found my debit card this is so exciting it's been missing for a week oh my god I didn't get that and he like stopped me and he was like Megan but she never calls me Megan so it was weird take a breath like take a minute it's gonna be fine and while it is my job to monitor myself it's really important and imperative to also surround your people yourself by people who are also going to help you monitor. And mm-hmm. I've been lucky enough to have those folks my whole life and now in a much different form than, you know, uh, honorary moms <laughs> and, and things like that. But yeah, it, there's been so many things, Beth, as you know, it's been, and, and I had to make a pretty hard shift in my thinking that the cards that I've been dealt, it doesn't, <clears throat> doesn't, doesn't define me, but it shapes me. And I think that's such a a big lesson for people that, you know, we're all dealt hard times and believe you me, I would take my problems over reaching into a hat and picking out, pardon me, someone Mm -hmm. else's problems because I know what I'm dealing with. I, I am able to, excuse me, navigate that, know the parties involved and the, the turmoil and the everything else along the way, there's no need to be a victim by any means. And huge. Yeah. Important that you realize that these things are happening to shape you. And, and while you, you asked, what would I have done different? I would have loved to have some better self-preservation. And I think at times that I thought I was self-preserving, I was actually sabotaging in the most textbook fiercest way ever. Uh, However, it all led us to where we are now. And I look at the foundational relationships in my life and they are better than ever. And we're a family unit. And it was these really unfortunate things that occurred that allowed these times to grow. And you know, our, our world shattered, but a little light came through and these relationships were the the flowers that grew out of the cracks. And I'm not sure they would have ever gotten there had we not all hit this collective rock bottom and this space in which we, nothing else mattered except lifting up my sister and the baby and each other during this time because there all of a sudden was something so much bigger than any of us occurring. And that is the most humbling moment of all time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's also a moment that you have no control either. Totally. There was nothing we could do to undo 
what had happened. Um, and that was a big moment of realizing that, all right, this is where we are. This is what we are doing. We have to do it together. There is no being independent in any of this whatsoever. Um, and so while I wish I could have, you know, cut ties with my mother sooner or not been so hurt by words or lies or relationships, or whatever it might be, I am well aware that there was this plan in place that I'm sure some people wish I would have managed moderately better at times. We are not <laughs> but, given instructions. <laughs> no, people, life does not come with a handbook. That is for sure. Like, if I got a test run at being an adult, I would have politely declined. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for your offer. Aggressively, but politely declined. Um, you know, I think that it is just, sometimes it's a crapshoot at the end of the day. It really is. And, but you have to know that if you can rest your head knowing that you've done something right in the day and that there might be a good outcome from it, then we're all doing fine, <laughs> which is, yes. which is the, the really big takeaway. And, and as you and I have discussed many times, it, it takes a lot of effort to be in this mindset. It, it it's a choice. A lot of work. And so the reason like that, you know, I kind of presented you with that question is because I knew that you would go into this, um, you know, kind of description of your experience. And what's so interesting is the when you describe this experience, people currently are living this experience. And it is totally a time of learning how to best manage yourself, learning how to protect your energies, um, realizing that like this is life and things happen that we have no control over but mm -hmm. the only way and you just and from what I've seen you know you and your family kind of experiences that you just you pick up and you make do and you you take the next best step mm -hmm. and it's hard and you don't know always know if it's the right step but you just you you pick up and you keep going and that in itself is challenging. And so to, to hear you speak about, you know, what occurred last year, today, you know, on a, on a day that, you know, we're in the midst of um, everything that's going on with the virus, with um, people just struggling. Mm -hmm. You've provided this beautiful description of, it, things like this happen. And this is one way that, that we survived it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. It is one way. And we're able to pick up and, and trek forward because we're, we're doing it as a unit, which is, yeah. is really important. And had I tried to do this on my own, my goodness, Beth, I can't even imagine where I would be. And, and I am, again, surrounded by this incredible army of people. And I, I look at the time that Bobby came into my life and what that all means and, and how that played out and, and everything else. And I, I can see now as part of this greater plan and it's, 
I want everyone to understand that when you look at a situation, however, however you, whatever degree of what you consider traumatic or tragic or life changing, that's different for everyone as it should be. Like there, there should not be a blanketed idea of what tragedy is because my experiences shape what I feel Mm-hmm. tragedy and turmoil to be as do yours and and those should differ and there will always be common ground amongst people on that but finding the blessings of a situation doesn't negate the the pain of it it doesn't negate the struggle none of that it merely acts as an avenue to help you heal and move forward and be able to keep functioning quite frankly yeah Because, and that's not to say that there aren't days that we are not great by any means, but it just, it's a caveat to create movement. And that is so incredibly important in the same way that we have to keep our bodies moving, we have to keep our minds moving, we have to keep our emotions moving as well. And I, when we're numb, that's our inability to feel anything because we're so overloaded and so to keep yourself out of that space is, is key. And, and I personally believe that finding the blessings or the gifts or however you want to phrase it, you know, the rose and the thorn, whatever it might be of the situation is such a good avenue for that. And, and it's okay to do that. And it does take work. It takes a lot of energy to come home or it takes a lot of energy to leave a funeral or a hospital or pick something yeah. that has just suck the life from your soul to say, okay, here's something good that happened. And it's also really okay, which I really hope people understand that you can have a bad day and you cannot find a gift. And that is fine. <laughs> people, yeah. Yeah. that is a, okay. Let me tell Reality. you, I'm not sure I found one gift last week, <laughs> <laughs> but we're on the up and up and that's important. I can yeah. look back now and kind of, you know, pinpoint a few I can totally connect the dots. I can tell you something great that happened on Wednesday. Couldn't do it on Wednesday. Could totally do it now. But I think in knowing that, that this finding a gift and managing energies, it's not about being sunshine and rainbows all the time by any means. That also is not, I mean, you can't maintain that. And I would also worry too, that if that is being maintained, is there a disconnect between what you're actually experiencing versus processing as well. And, you know, so if you're having a bad day, you can come home and that's fine. But the important thing is, is to recognize it. The amount of times I walked in the door last week and I said, I am not okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I need, but I'm not okay. And I either just laid on the floor in silence or I took a shower and went to bed. That's fine. And that's healthy too, because that's what you need in the moment do we recommend doing it days on end? No. (laughs) Um, However, you know, that's okay to have those, those moments too. And you should have those moments because I think peace and quiet is so important, whether it be to be with your thoughts or to literally just sit and do nothing. That's key. Mm -hmm. You know, use your commute to, to, drive home in silence. Use your commute to listen to a podcast that your partner or your roommate might not care for, but it just fills your soul. Use that time, you know, find those windows to recharge and to to find some sunshine and, 
And if you are in the headspace that you can think of something you're grateful for for the day, then by all means, write that down, feel grateful for it, put it in the universe, you know, whatever it might be. But you have to, again, that's all about managing yourself too. We're our own responsibility. And it's just, it's important to note that this does take a lot of work and energy and some days you might not have the energy and that's okay. Yes. Um, you have to, you have to identify that. You can't just be curmudgeoned and, and shut off because that then creates an energy that someone else has to manage, mm -hmm. which we have to think about that too. Yeah. Uh, well, I feel like this conversation was so timely. Oh, I'm yes. pretty sure anyone from the Her Sports Story community who listens to this is going to be like, I needed this. Like, oh, this you're so was sweet. such a good, just a good check-in um, in the most real yet lighthearted way, you know, with, with everything that is going on. And I will let my my community know that Megan will produce a bestseller one day. <laughs> we have come up with many titles of oh, many working titles. Yes. Of, of the chapters. And no, she obviously, as you can tell, has just this special energy around her. And so Megan, if people want to, you know, follow you or, you know, drop you a note to say things, where should they contact you? I have never been asked for my platforms before. <laughs> this is going on the gratitude list tonight. <laughs> I'm actually so uncool. I have to make sure I get this right. Excuse me while I open up my Insta. <laughs> I'm so embarrassing. All right. We're just going to find me on Instagram at lady underscore rigs. I don't know how you find me on Facebook. <laughs> Do people use Facebook anymore? I don't know. really <laughs> know. But that's where you can find me. I'm sure you'll tag me and such. But we mustn't forget to share two of our favorite things with your viewers, listeners. Yes. Ladies of leisure before we go. Uh-huh. First of all, the Beyonce rule. Mm. Beyonce, Queen Bay. She knows it all. She does. I heard this years ago, and this was a game changer. Beyonce allows herself 24 hours to be mad about something. Mm. That's a great practice. You give yourself 24 hours, and when that 24-hour marker hits, you're done with it. It doesn't take up any more of your time or energy. And again, that's a conscious effort made to do so. The amount of times that something happens, I just say, Beyonce. <laughs> you know what? I and have actually heard you say that, and I had no idea what mm -hmm. it Oh yeah, Beyonce rule. That's you know. perfect. And we, perfect. You know, Beyonce should always live in us as well. I think that's this an important energy to channel. Um, but yes, so you know, we love that. Love that rule. Twenty-four hours, move on, and to allow yourself the time to mull over or be meh about whatever is going on. And then, uh, my one of my Midwest's best friends, a, a treasure of that chapter of life, a few years ago. Uh, her New Year's resolution, which I love, and it's something that I've implemented since, was to not save the nice things, which I also think is a really important thing for us to all kind of keep in mind, especially now that we're home and uh, circumstances are changing. And her point was so wonderful. She's like, if I, if I buy the volcano candle from anthropology and I never burn it, well, then what point does it make? 
if I don't wear the new red lipstick I got on a Tuesday, cause it's going to be fancy and fun. What's the point of having it? Mm. Last night I opened up a beautiful bottle of wine that I would have usually saved for a fancy dinner or something because you know what? It was Monday. We had made it. I didn't cry. <laughs> <laughs> and dang it. <laughs> if I want a nice glass of wine, have a glass of wine. And so mm-hmm. you also have to treat yourself from time to time. It doesn't have to be indulgent. It doesn't have to be crazy, but any, you can make any time special too, which mm-hmm. is, is such a, a great thing to remember as we're looking at having in-home date nights and <laughs> all of these other things happening in our ever-changing world that if you want to put on your favorite Marc Jacobs lipstick and open up that great bottle of wine from that amazing day you had in Napa with your girlfriends or your family or your partner or whomever, do it because that could spark so much joy yes. in your day and your moment and reliving those in one feeling pretty and confident. Who doesn't love that? Um, and then in reliving these really fantastic moments that led you to buying that bottle of wine or that candle from the beach shop in Aptos or whatever it might be. So right. Beyonce. And use the nice things. Oh, it's so good. So good. Well, I think those are the perfect closing remarks for uh, our chat today. (laughs) Yes. When in doubt. When in doubt. (laughs) (laughs) Also our friendship in a nutshell. This is true. This is very accurate. (laughs) Well, You're my favorite. (laughs) You're one of my favorites. And I'm pretty sure this will not be our last podcast. No, no. We have people want to know more about what we think. (laughs) Right, exactly. We have opened a, you know, yes, a new chapter for your book. When I when I started podcasting, Um, we really did. It's exciting. Uh (laughs) I'm into it. Um, you have been a highlight in my day as always. Thank you. This has been lovely. I appreciate all you're doing for the world of former athletes as we navigate our lives and the challenges of creating new identities and growing and I also just really love seeing your face so well thank you